0: Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod, episode five. We're here with your hosts, Matthew James McNichol, James Schleicher, special guest Caleb Fleming. Caleb is a dear friend. I know him through church, soccer, work, small group, fantasy football. Caleb, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, could could you
1: introduce yourself a little bit and tell people who you are, what you're doing? Gladly. Thank you guys for having me. I am excited to shed light on my poor performance last season and my hopes for the future. Um, I am a data scientist at Merkel Advertising Agency in town. So, as Jamie said, he and I have been coworkers for a few years. Um, I do some modeling work. Uh, really just anything data science or machine learning related so it's it's pretty interesting i've been there for 4 years been playing fantasy football since 2003 uh, i might be one of the i might have one of the longest fantasy football tenures in the league were they scoring by hand back then <laughs> they were not i did play in a league where everyone started three quarterbacks Whoa! Just kind of interesting, Three yeah. Quarterbacks.
0: It's like a super super flex league. It was
1: a different era, um, but yeah. I I have I'm married. My wife's name is Nicole, and I have an eight month old named Jackson. Uh, so that's exciting. That I would say Jackson is a pretty convenient excuse for why I haven't done stand up yet, but it is definitely an excuse. So, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's, and, he's a cute baby. Uh, when is he? When is he gonna make an appearance? You know, I think it's if this was a video, a video blog, a vlog. Is that a word? A vlog. We're, We're if this was it's a vlog, a, thing. a vlog is a thing. His and appearance would be better, but the babble, the baby babble, I don't think is really good podcast fodder. Doesn't play well on tape. But we are looking into adding video
0: possibly a live YouTube streaming of recording episodes for our Patreon subscribers. So if you're playing with the Treyco official drinking game, take a shot, because I mentioned our Patreon subscribers. Speaking of drinking games, I'm I'm sure we'll have some at your comedy
2: stand-up show. Could you give our listeners an update on when you plan to... um, have that, have that shown. When, when should we mark our calendar?
1: The date that I have chosen is November 26th. It is a Monday night. That is not by choice. That is the only night that it is offered at the Southern, but 8 o'clock, Monday, November 26th.
0: You heard it here. 8 o'clock, November 26th, Southern. Put it in your calendars. Zach, book your flights. We have a couch for you. I'm so excited. Pumped. Um... Our listeners also want to know, can you give us a sample? You've had nine months to work on this. Jackson, thrown off the timeline a little bit, we understand, but that's just giving you more time yeah. to work on material. It what, might su- what can we look forward it to? It might
1: surprise you guys to know that I haven't put a ton of thought into this to date. Uh, in fact, the last time I put thought into this was when I created the Doodle Poll as a, a show of good faith to everyone here. But on my way over, I was reminded of a humorous anecdote that I would like to work in from a time in college when I was a uh, ministry leader for a parachurch organization, which will not be named. Um, And at one of our events, we passed out these cards asking uh, high school kids for contact info so we could reach out about like rides and just like attendance stuff. Uh, and one of the kids wrote down, uh, his. They, ha- they all had to write down their parents' names, and one of the kids wrote down that their mom's name was Anal King, and <laughs> you guys can laugh, <laughs> and I took this to all the other leaders and was like, this says what I think it does, right? I'm not crazy, and they were all like, totally in agreement, like, yes, this absolutely says anal king this kid wrote this down it's probably a joke or something um high school humor high school humor uh and so weeks passed i didn't really talk to this kid you know i don't know how you follow up on that it's a pretty i I guess it's passive aggressive it's a little bit aggressive of a, a thing to say um and we finally had this confrontational moment where things were resolved and i'll share the conclusion That story at my stand-up night. At what? Do not leave me hanging like that. I love it. I love it. You'll be there,
0: November twenty-sixth, Monday night, eight p.m. at the Southern. Um, Just, just a little stand-up comedy tip that I've been told is. So you said this happened a while ago, Mm -hmm. but when doing stand-up, I've been told like make it recent. Okay. Tell it as if it's a present thing that just happened.
1: Yeah, I like that. This. Should I just say that Matt said this to me? Also, that if it works, I could have. I, think I could leave that. In. I, I think that makes it sounds it, like something I would
2: say. I think.
0: Okay. I think it makes it funnier for the people in the league that will be
1: in attendance for sure. So I appreciate the tips. If anyone listening also has suggestions or other anecdotes or jokes to share, those would be appreciated as well. Um, like I said, I was reminded of that driving over to record the pod, and so you can. You can bet I'm short on material. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And for our listeners who aren't in the league,
0: which let's be serious, all listeners are in the league. But for those that aren't, you've mentioned that you are, one, a data scientist, Mm -hmm. and two, the last place finisher of the Dadbods League. Two key pieces of my identity. So I think just based off of that information, people want to know, how does a data scientist... Who's professionally trained in advanced statistical models, who has superior knowledge of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Mm-hmm. This entire fantasy football league is based on numbers. Mm-hmm. How does someone like that come
1: in last place? Bro, how did you come in last? In a league full of amateurs. Yeah, there's a lot of different things, and I'll try to be brief on this because there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> Uh, The the first reality is that I didn't spend as much time all of last season preparing my roster as I did in preparing for this pod tonight. So I think that tells you maybe how much I prepared for this, but maybe more likely how little I did last year. Uh, And so one of the things that I've been excited about is the group me has kind of blown up in a really positive way, and as I feel like the the fellowship aspect of the league has increased, is that I actually just care a lot more now. And so maybe last year the punishment consequence of stand-up comedy didn't feel real to me until I was playing in the last place game. Um, but that's sort of, I think the answer is I just didn't care that much. And I care a lot this year, not because of... Of last place, but I just feel like the I feel more connected to the group. When I was doing some of the analyses on our four years of historical data, uh, one, I had to send Jamie a list of team names to ask who the owners were, and two, I had a few questions of who is this specific person's name. So no one in the league currently, but it uh, is a total... Indictment of my engagement with others in the league these last few years, and I'm willing to own that. And am doing stand-up comedy is <laughs> somewhat of a punishment for it. But that's the short answer. Is I just don't think I I gave it as much interest or attention as I, I should have or as I want to now.
0: And just a reminder: Caleb's been in the league for all four years of its existence. Yep. I've been in the league for three of those four years, and he was asking me who these people
1: are. So, <laughs> I'm still not sure who Eric is, and Paul Eric, Eric Paul? Eric F- Kelly before my time Eric Kelly. Uh, you probably you've met him, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm being a little bit played um, in a fantasy football I'm league with him. <laughs> all right, Paul Nedelsky. Yeah, we were in a fantasy football league together. All oh, right, all right, right. Yeah, you don't know who he is. No, got it. Was he at the draft? Was he, I at the draft? He, he, you were both at the draft. Okay. Yeah. Was this right. the infamous? It was. Randall Cobb draft. Yeah,
0: it was that that draft. All right. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I wasn't here. But two things. So you weren't at the draft last year. Yeah. So I do want to give you that caveat, a little bit of an out. You did not draft your team. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were some questionable decisions about your team. Going into the
1: final week of the regular season, I thought that the punishment was applied to the regular season. Last place finisher. So a little bit of, A little bit of confusion. Again, no excuses. <laughs> I played a really shitty year, and that's on me. I mean, you that's did, on him. You
2: did take Des Bryant in the second round, so...
1: Well, I didn't, but... Your proxy. <laughs> my proxy <laughs> did. But here's the thing with my proxy. He was texting me during the draft, the picks, and I didn't feel that bad about it. Okay. So I don't think that was... I don't think that you... Steven will attest to this. You don't come in last place by pretty much picking ADP in the draft, and that I'm almost certain is what Philip did.
2: It's true. That's true. So I was sitting next to him. Yeah.
1: Was Philip your proxy?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I did think out of the proxies, there, Phillips had
1: had one of the stronger drafts. So he did emphasize many times to me that he knows nothing about football. Take that for what it's worth. That was probably better. I would rather him just pick ADP than. Go crazy. I, I think some of those times
0: uh, I'm not saying Travis was whispering in his ear, but he was sitting next to Travis. Travis seemed to be trying to give some friendly advice, and based off of Travis's draft this year, I think everyone with this year would take a little bit of
1: advice from Travis. So the ethics are certainly in question, but we can. Move yeah, on.
0: it's it's hard to say whether that was in good faith or not. If it was a bad faith reading, like my reading of Travis's text admitting culpability and unethical behavior and the wisp way waffle trade debacle.
2: I will say that reminds me, though, that I was working for Philip at the time, and the next day he came into work and he said something about toxic masculinity. And... Wow. I don't remember all that was discussed about fantasy football that day, but he definitely made me think. And... um You know, thankfully, I've been able to cast cast aside some of those
0: thoughts, uh, some of those thoughts (laughs) that he shared with me. But um, pursue (laughs) him. Was he talking about the NFL, or was he talking about our fantasy football league? Because I I think both.
2: He had had something to say about a whole bunch of grown men sitting around, uh, you know, playing fantasy football, drafting players. So I don't know. I don't know who would say about it. I don't know who. I, I know. Yeah. Well. I'm curious what he would think about a uh, a fantasy football podcast, but, you know, here we are. It's fine.
0: I think it's like anything else. It's, It's a forum, and, you know, the people that you're with, the people you spend time with, are they making you better? Are they encouraging you towards good things? And that's a big part of the aim of this podcast, and we can just debate philosophically of whether or not it's possible or not, but I think every individual in this league is worth knowing... More, and can have a positive impact on my life, and that's that's a big aim of this podcast is to have conversations with people that I want to get to know better, so uh, fully understand where where he's coming from there, and it might not be possible, but I I'm in I'm excited about the engagement that the leagues had this year.
1: Sounds like we might need to get Philip on the pod to, to talk to us about that. I. Philip's always up for a for a podcast. That'd be great. We'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure he has some great thoughts on it. I am
0: genuinely curious to hear more. We'll we'll talk to his people. We do have to keep going, so we're going to jump into this, some week two matchups. Uh, week two of football. The first one, Matt. Why don't you walk us through our matchup? And by our, I mean me and you.
2: I mean Jamie. There's not much to walk through. Uh, you know, it's pretty obvious what happened. The outcome is. Wow. Yeah, the outcome is wow. So, Pat Mahomes, six TDs. That's the, that's the big thing to point out.
0: Pretty shocking. That's the difference there. If your quarterback scores zero points, I beat you by seven.
2: Uh, great, James. Great. My quarterback scored 50 points and actually set a rookie record. I'm sorry, not rookie record. Uh, all time record for any quarterback through two games, 10 touchdowns. Um, you know, taking on the twelfth round is looking
0: like my best pick ever in fantasy. Okay, over under for Pat Mahomes sixty five touchdowns this year. He's on pace for eighty. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the under. He's taking the under. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, Risky move.
2: But you know what? I'm I'm grabbing Fitzy tomorrow to make sure that my my bad weeks are covered.
0: So this pot is gonna drop after waivers are decided. What what are you bidding? I can't tell you. That's smart. I'm in the room. Caleb, matchup number two. Anything but last. Took begging down. for anything but last. Facing off against who are the chefs?
1: Reigning champion.
0: Reigning champion. Historical average champion. Whatever top you performer. want to call it. Top performer. Week one.
1: Massive point getter. And what happened there? So here's the thing. I was 100% certain I was losing this matchup, and I had decided that I was okay with that. Uh, Here's the other thing. I didn't lose. So, two interesting things I want to point out. One, Travis had a bad week. That's really unfortunate. He is very infrequently going to put up sub-90, even sub-100 points. And so, credit where it's due. Travis has a better team, I think, at this point in the season than I do. He left a ton of points on his bench um and that makes absolute sense because his bench players did not deserve to start over his starters so makes sense but every one of them scored a touchdown every one of them scored a touchdown and that's a great segue because i put up 115 points and my quarterback was the only one that had a touchdown so i think that is worth noting it gives me a little bit of hope that there was potential for an even bigger week right uh, i would argue that i even underperformed a little bit uh, but at the end of the day Like I said, I think that Travis just had an off week, and I was fortunate to catch him in one.
0: Yeah, and a win's a win. You put up 134 points in week one, 114 in week two. Definitely looking strong, and I would say anything but last at this point is pretty safe,
1: but it's a long season. and Anything it happen. I was telling Jamie earlier that I'm gunning for that consolation by now. I think I can set my sights a little bit higher to hit that 7th or 8th spot. Matchup number
0: three, we have Shibboleth versus the Cream of the Crop. And the Cream is rising to the top. Trey puts up 120.88 points. Matt and I both talked about it last week. Our threshold every week that we're aiming for, 120 points. And if you do that, you're going to win more than you lose. Seth, uh, not Seth, Trey puts up 120. Sean puts up 102. Uh, A little bit of bad luck again. Through two weeks this season, he is leading the league in points against. Uh, big big call out here. Uh, Deshaun Watson scores 26 points, but he leaves Kirk Cousins on the bench for the second week in a row, and you know what Kirk Cousins does, 41.5 points. I feel like you have to play him in, in week three, but we'll see what happens there. Tough one for Sean, starts off 0-2, continues the trend of a million points being scored against him. So unfortunate. <laughs> you hate to see that. You hate to see that.
2: Yeah, kind of a underwhelming matchup here between Seth and Robert. Nana's um, perceived value and the replacements. Um, Seth came in at 103 to Robert's 90. Kind of a low scoring matchup. More to come on that from, from um, me
1: later about Robert.
2: Robert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so sad about Stefan Diggs. You know, if the Pack had just been able to seal the deal in that game, Stefan would not have gotten so many points. Um, but, you know, not much to point out here. Um, let's move on to that last, last matchup game.
0: Uh, one one note on that. It was fun hanging out Sunday night. We had seven guys at <laughs> Travis's house. Uh, Seth, in particular, talking about a little bit of regret. He got two, two in the weeds with... The expert advice this week decides to sit Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan scores two touchdowns, so you know maybe don't overthink it a little bit next week, Seth. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But then, yeah, the last two matchups, including the scourge versus fantasy Trumps hate. Uh, wow, that's that is a massacre. That's an
1: absolute blowout. And didn't Steven leave points on the bench?
0: Too? He left points on the bench. Uh, mostly at the quarterback position again. So I think he starts
2: Andrew Luck. He could have had hundred and
0: ninety three points.
1: He could have he could have broke the record. Jamie I know has thoughts on Drew's decision to sit Andy Dalton after picking him up Is earlier it, in the week. If you're gonna spend that money on a guy,
0: you gotta play him, right? And then the fact he scores four touchdowns in the first half, you know, he wasn't crazy for picking him up, but leaves him on the bench and those points don't count. Deep regret. Does Spencer Ware still play football? He does, but behind Kareem Hunt and Pat Mahomes has options on options. When Pat
2: Mahomes can throw the ball like a freaking dude,
0: why would you run the ball? Why would you run the ball? Don't do it. Why would you run the ball? Just don't do it. It is incredible to see. And I know for a fact, growing up in Pennsylvania, watching Andy Reid teams for years, if he could throw the ball on every single down, he would. So... Yeah, Kareem Hunt might get a a few rushes, but Spencer Ware is not touching the ball without an injury. Yeah, you should drop him. True. Drop him. Drop him. Mm.
1: Matt will have him on his roster by the end of the week. (laughs) And we'll (laughs) be packaging
0: him with Quincy Inunua, (laughs) trying to get a high return. Last matchup of the week. What the bell. Versus the annexation of PR. That's Puerto Rico for our first-time listeners. And, you know, this... I don't think either of us are excited by either of these two two teams. I, I want to
2: say that I'm pretty impressed by the trio of wideouts that Cody put up here. Kind of ridiculous. A.J. Green, 27 points. Adam Thielen, 25 points. Brandon Cooks, 19 points. Um, makes up for you know a, a goose egg from his tight end. I don't even know who that guy is. John Yu. Uh, that's a cool name. Uh, but then you know his running backs, never heard of him. Who are those guys? Uh, twelve what? combined points from the yeah. running
0: back position. That's that's gonna be hey, tough. If your whiteouts do that, Cody's got a chance. How about that week from Zach though? That week from
1: Zach. Tell tell us a little bit about his high performers. I mean, I'm just thinking that he's got two really strong players on the bench with injuries, and he goes out and puts up almost 120. It's unfortunate that he's 0 and two, but I feel like there's a lot to be hopeful for. Who, we come in. Who the, are
2: those strong players you're talking about? If you're ta- if you're talking about Devonta Freeman, I'm not so sure I agree. You're not going to let me have the word "strong" with Devonta Freeman. Mm. Mm. Really? I think it's a little questionable.
0: Huh. All right. Second round pick, but this <laughs> this matchup ended up being the most exciting matchup of the week. Cody ends up beating him by five, but Zach comes into Monday night, Monday night football, needing 23 points from the Bears defense. And let's be serious. That's probably not going to happen. But the Raiders, (laughs) the Raiders decide to trade Khalil Mack before the beginning of the season to the Bears, and he has been a force through two weeks. Uh, The Bears had a good defense before him, but with Khalil Mack, you know, just unreal. They have you thinking that they might put up twenty-three points. And Zach gets so close, 18 points. He's texting the group me in the final seven minutes. Sack fumble, sack fumble, sack fumble. Trying to will himself to victory, never giving up. He gets so close, has Cody sweating bullets, doesn't quite pull it off. But, you know, maybe maybe the Chicago defense uh, is, is a little bit of rave ray of hope for Zach this season. But more bad news. LaShawn McCoy has some cracked cartilage in his ribs. That's not good. Today there's an affidavit that comes out uh, about potential child abuse. Oh, boy. So more off the field issues for LaShawn. Shady. Huh. It's uh it's it, it's looking pretty a little bit more bad news
1: for Zach. But
0: Driving that to Seth. Seth Seth, do you want to take
1: him? I was gonna say, what would you guys have thought about Devontae Freeman for Joe Mixon? couple second-round picks. It, it's more understandable trade.
0: It's more understandable trade. I think Deion Lewis and Emmanuel Sanders eventually gets there, but it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, just want to touch in with people on their stance on Tradegate, the Whistleway Waffle Trade debacle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You were one that did veto the trade, but then... You backtracked. You totally backtracked expressed remorse so quick you want to talk to us a little bit about what's the thought process what you're thinking where does the regret come from do you still feel regret or have my arguments
1: convinced you that you were on the side of the angels i am of the opinion now that trades should generally not be vetoed I think that the the idea of a grown-ass man trading one of his grown-ass players in fantasy football to someone else, both parties obviously want to win and don't want to favor the other one. I think it makes sense, and I'm fine with it. I I see the point that immediately after the draft, we are operating on perceived value, and a fifth-rounder for a second-rounder is, uh, is something to scratch your head at. But, I, I mean... I don't presume to know what Seth was thinking. I maybe I do since we've all heard it so many times now. <laughs> he's, uh, he's expressed his opinion. <laughs> but I, I think that I'm firmly in the camp now of trade vetoes should be to prevent explicit collusion of which I don't think that there is before the first week. Um, also the the process of me vetoing the trade, I just I think it's important that this is known too. I received a text message from Matt that said, Please veto this trade. Very uh, <laughs> very strong And so I did a, a cursory investigation, saw fifth round, second round, hit veto without really giving any other thought, uh, which is, you know, I'm willing to own that. That was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So, so I also
0: introduced two other points to Seth's face on podcast number two that mm-hmm. outside of straight collusion, which I couldn't rule out at the time, right? criminal negligence. And what what was the other one? What was the other? Uh, While
1: well, you think of that, I don't know that we're in a place to say that Seth was being criminally negligent. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the other one was grossly incompetent. Yeah, oh, that's right. That that, one, that's um, just kind of mean, and I also don't think it's true. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm not against being mean when it's appropriate. No, 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 Um, I'm saying that that label of someone is mean. (laughs) I think it's mean to, or it's not mean to veto a trade. We're all adults here. Wait, it's mean
2: to, it's not mean to veto the trade. No,
1: I'm saying that niceties and meanness has no no place in this. That doesn't matter. I'm saying that, what was the the phrase? (laughs) Grossly incompetent? Grossly incompetent. I was merely saying that's a relatively rude thing to call someone. Right, but, but Seth, but I love it, you, brother. But I just, what if it's I hated this
0: trade? But what if it's accurate?
1: Right. What if it is? What if it's not? You know what?
2: Actually, that reminds me of a question I had for you. I don't know what's happening. <laughs>
1: so, so, this is being interesting. Being grossly incompetent reminds um, you of a question.
2: <laughs> um, it's these triggers for Matt. <laughs> we, we've had some discussion on this podcast about underrated and overrated owners. Yeah. Uh, you know, which can get a little bit. Uh, you know testy Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard recently that you think of yourself as the most appropriately rated owner for lack of a better word Uh, I'm not sure what to make of that so what was your thought process in coming to that conclusion and Mm -hmm. why do you think that's an accurate
1: statement I think that I've given nobody reason to overrate me and I think that I've given nobody reason to underrate me so I, I find myself square in that zone of mediocrity where I probably won't win the league. I probably won't finish last two years in a row. It's that like 5 to 8 kind of sweet spot that I think I find myself in. And I think that everyone would agree on too. If you asked people to to guess where I end up this season, I think that that is going to most of your answers are going to concentrate in that range.
0: And let's see if Travis can set up an anonymous poll asking that very question.
1: Yeah, and Matt, you can vote as many times as you want. So Great, I might. Whoa, Matt fact! Give us the Matt fact. There are five Caleb's currently active in the NFL. Oh, Caleb facts. One of whom was just dropped by Matt. Oh, Sturgis. Indeed, that's, that's a great Matt fact. Hmm. That is the Matt fact from Caleb's corner. Okay. Cool. So we could do this in a rapid fire format, or we could slow it down. Ask you guys to tell me what you think before I go for it? Yeah, let's come out at a rapid pace. let ra- yeah. Okay.
0: We'll, we'll slow you down if we need to.
1: And hone in on the interesting insights. Seth has the highest win percentage of our active owners all time. Does that surprise you? Don't um, answer that.
2: I just called him grossly incompetent.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised. Would a grossly incompetent owner have the highest winning percentage?
0: So I think historical competency does not prevent you from being Mm. grossly incompetent, especially on matters of moral conviction, where on-the-field competitiveness is not your motivating factor.
2: That is totally true. I agree with that. I'm also wondering, though, what percentage of fantasy football is luck versus skill? I think Mm. that, that kind of begs the question.
0: Right, but also I would have felt way worse... Saying those words to Seth if he wasn't actually good at fantasy football, so yeah, I'm am not surprised because by and large He's I do I, I do see Seth as
1: a strong player in this league. Yeah. All right, moving on. Worst or lowest winning percentage all time, Robert, and it's not even close. Ooh, yeah, that hurts. Uh, points left on the bench all time, fewest points left on the bench. We'll start there. Matt, Steven, Travis.
2: Fewest points left US on the bench? Fewest
1: points left on the bench, which means on a given week, most of your points come from players that are on the field. If you were to not factor Sorry, I, in. Let me clarify. So yeah.
2: are you saying that I'm, I, me, Steven, and Travis maximize our point possibilities? Or are you saying that
1: we just... But yes. On a given week with the roster that you have, you maximize your point possibility. Got it. So even though like Travis had a huge bench this week... The most points left on the bench So these would be people that are are mismanaging Week to week uh, Relative to what they could do Seth, Drew, and Trey And Trey gets a pass because he only has Really one year of data in here Uh, But I thought it was interesting that Seth was included in that With what we just said about how he has the highest win percentage So He could be even better
2: I mean maybe Seth just has such ridiculous teams That
1: it doesn't matter who he starts I have a question for you now Matt How many trades do you think you've proposed in your four years in this league? Because I'm going to tell you how many you've converted.
2: (laughs) I think that I can tell you how many I've converted. Can you? That's also... Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Um, Just give me a moment to think about it. But I'm going to say that on an average week,
1: I propose nine trades. Okay. You've converted four in your four years. Do you know which ones they were? I have no idea. Me neither. I didn't look into that. We can move on. Matt averages the most number of moves per year at 52.
2: 52 that's a lot moves of moves, or a lot of roster moves Dude, on an average season. if you're not churning the bottom of your roster, you're not trying
1: hard enough. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I have a few superlatives here that I didn't name in advance, so we'll okay. have to kind of roll through um, in fact, Jamie, you can name them as as I describe them. Oh, uh, this one is for Seth, who has owned Russell Wilson for three straight years. And the irony here is that I think on Sunday night, Seth was debating whether or not he was going to keep Russell or start Russell Wilson. He decided to sit Russell this week yeah. against that. Tenacious Bears defense Mm -hmm. Which was a good move But let's be honest Seth You're keeping him around I I mean it's your Third straight year
0: And he did Lose out a couple of points Russell actually Outscored Alex Smith By Mm -hmm. a few But he gets
1: a W And this is a weekly game So Mm -hmm. Can't regret that too much This is the uh, The journeyman award Goes to Dante Moncrief Who has been owned By seven different managers In our league In the last four years So There were a few defenses that have been owned by like 10 plus teams, but that doesn't count. Yeah, individual players, Dante Moncrief takes the
2: cake. So Moncrief, was that, how many times has he changed hands in a given season?
1: In a single season? I think it was like three or four. Wow, that's a lot. This is, a lot of these are are math stats where I'm just trying to understand what you're thinking when you're churning that. Ask me, ask me away. Well, and you're biased. So this is uh Duke Johnson, this is a, a bit of a sadness award. Duke Johnson has spent more weeks on a bench in our league than any other player at thirty two. So in the four seasons he spent thirty two weeks on a bench. Which makes me wonder, and I ask myself this question too, since he's on my bench right now, why are you keeping him around? It's that type Turn of thing the roster. It's that type of thing. You
0: know, he gets enough touches that you kind of want him on a bench, but you never feel good about starting the guy. Chubb
2: is coming.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> two more here. Uh, the The best week of all time, this is actually available in Yahoo, but the best week of all time for us is Zach. In 2015, he put up 183 points. So Travis came close last week, and he could have blown that away, um, mm. but he did not. So Zach still holds on to that title. I actually have the second most with 182 last year, so keep that in mind. Uh, The worst performance, Robert, 2016. Robert had two games below 50 points, and one of those games was below 40 points. And he finished ninth overall, which makes you wonder
0: how. I, I can't say this with hundred percent accuracy, but I feel like I do remember my first year in the league. I thought seeing, he wasn't paying attention. I've uh, seen Robert not filling out a roster some weeks.
2: I do remember there yeah, there was definitely a few weeks where he didn't make adjustments and people were on by. You you got four or five people on by, boom. Yeah. That's a forty five. Forty five points, yeah.
1: That's all happens. He owned four of the worst ten performances ever.
2: They probably all come from that same season.
1: Uh it was a little bit of a split, but Point taken. And yet he pulls out ninth in the and the he final pulls out ninth in the final standings in 2016. I mean, those must have been some good players on by. Does he just hit big in the playoffs? Uh, Robert does overperform in the playoffs. That's a great question because that's my final stat or my final set of stats here is that uh, over under performers relative when you compare the regular season to the playoffs. So, Jamie is our biggest loser. He typically, he scores 20 points less in the playoffs per week than he does during the regular season. And I have felt that pain the the past two years. Sean is not far behind. He's about 15 points fewer in the playoffs. Uh, Steven is the anti-Jamie. He puts up about 20 more points per game in the playoffs. I love his teams. Uh, Travis averages the most points per week of anyone in our league, and it does not really change between regular seasons, regular season and playoffs. Um, just a really strong performer. Seth averages almost 120 a week in the playoffs, uh, which I think you guys, we talked about this previously, but you basically need 110 points a week on average to, to win the regular season, and in the playoffs you're going to have to put up 120. So... Those are my... That's Caleb's Corner, part one. We can talk about the group me now, or if you have another segment you'd like to get to first, we can do that too.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be good just to touch on that we threw out that 120 number, and it's great to hear Caleb come in and pretty much back that up with science, that this number of what felt right was pretty close. So he moves the bar a little bit down. So if you average 110 points... 110 to 115. 110 to 115 in the regular season, you're going to position yourself well for the playoffs. And then I think that totally makes sense that every week you've got a couple teams hitting it big in that 130 to 150 range. So, you know, the teams that are hitting it big in the playoffs are going to be the ones that win those matchups. So a 120, a 120 average in the playoffs makes sense to me. What do you think about that? And it's it's pretty hard numbers, so not much to argue with. But
1: feels good to have that confirmed. Feels great. Does it feel good for you, though, knowing that you're one of the main losers in that? No, it, it doesn't feel. You hurt the most. It, as well, yeah, so. it, it doesn't feel
0: good, and you know, I I felt that pain acutely over the past couple years. Um, but you know, you anything can happen on a given week. Mm-hmm. As we see by Travis going one seventy thirty, you
1: can put up, up one eighty
0: to to ninety points. So yeah. well, you know well, you uh... you collect the players that you think can put up those point totals over the course of the season. Those decisions are going to be validated or not, and in the playoffs, you know it's it's two weeks where anything can happen. And I mean that's true, but let me interject.
2: I, I have wondered before if I should pay closer attention to players who have great matchups in the playoffs you know you want to play your best football when it matters and if you're going to do that you need to have good matchups typically or your, your chances obviously go significantly up if you have really great matchups with your star players so is that something that you guys have ever thought about you know making sure that you get the right players to have good matchups at the right time Have you ever even considered trading for a player that you know had great matchups through the course of the playoffs?
1: I think that trades are. Well, I know that trades are pretty rare. I think I saw that we've had like 15 total since the league's inception four years ago. So I don't don't think about them very much. And I think that. So
2: I've actually been a a, a part of almost a third of the trades. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I think you're absolutely right that, generally speaking, in the playoffs, you want to be... I mean, what do I know? I haven't been there. But... (laughs) No, that's not true. I have. Uh, I think... I mean, the matchup is everything, and and I think that when you're playing a much shorter game where it's sort of... I mean, it is literally win or go home and prep for um, (laughs) stand-up, you you might as well be thinking about maximizing the single-week utility. But, uh, I mean... Your strategy has, you you average five points fewer per game in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. So, I mean, I think it is, it's just so situational that, like, these are, yeah, they are, it is hard statistics, but it's still pretty hard to draw a solid inference from it because we're talking about people playing a a sport.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and my mindset is you have to get there to be there. So that's that's what I'm concerned about first, and then if it looks like I've positioned myself well enough to make the playoffs, weeks 10, 11, 12, that's when I'll start, especially when it comes to these positions that I'll typically stream. So kicker, defense, quarterback, that's when I start looking towards, okay, does it make sense to grab a guy now that I know is going to have a good week or a good matchup in those playoff rounds? As Caleb mentioned, that has not worked out for me at all in the past. But for me, you got to get there first. Strategy,
1: though, I hadn't thought. I mean, I personally hadn't thought about considering this like five weeks in advance. And you have been in a place where you—what did you clinch in like week eight last year? Clinched pretty early on, yeah. but
0: I was I was in a dogfight with uh, two or three people at the top. When it came down to points, which ultimately ended up being the tiebreaker for the regular season champion, Seth got a great performance from Le'Veon Bell, some poor tackling by the defense going against him, cost me the regular season champion. But also, you know, trying not just to win every week but maximize those point totals also kind of played into my strategy towards the end of the season last year. Should
2: we segue back to GroupMe, uh... Big data?
1: Yeah, these will be even faster. So for the Group Me, what I did, you guys saw a little preview of it, is basically just looking at the frequency of words with within a message and relative to all other messages. So it kind of hones in on what like phrases or topics are important and what's being used the most often. So at a pretty like basic level, we saw that Seth sends like twice as many Group Me messages as everyone else. Uh, Robert and Stephen made valiant attempts to increase their numbers. At those totals, I successfully removed them. Uh, what was the comment from? Was it Stephen that said, our, "You're saying our messages don't count?" Yeah, our our thoughts don't it count. Sounds anymore. like it. Sounds like they didn't. <laughs> it's, they didn't count, and there weren't that many of them anyway. So uh, I didn't remove you. I, I mostly just I removed the the single character letters or single character messages. So all of that to say. Um, Sentiment analysis So how positive or negative Everyone's statements are um, In aggregate The most positive user is Drew Almost 50% of his messages Were able to be tagged as positive The most negative Is a tie between your podcast hosts Jamie and Matt What? Wow I'm shocked yeah. That is unbelievable About 20% of your posts are negative and then a whole bunch of them were neutral, and very few were positive. What does that say about us, James? I'm characterized
0: by having relentless positivity. So
1: I told Jamie this earlier, and he was surprised his number wasn't higher because the algorithm has a hard time with sarcasm. I'm highly sarcastic. Yeah. So I looked at single or phrases. They're called bigrams. It's combinations of two words next to each other. The frequency of those, the the three most common phrases were echo chamber, dad bod, and news alert, which <laughs> checks out. I think uh, news alert
0: is going to catch Travis used it today and he had the siren emoji and yeah.
1: I was so happy. Picking up on emojis is hard for this. Um, and then the last thing I did was a topic model, but instead of looking at everyone's messages, I just looked at Seth because there were enough of them. And what I found is that there are two main themes emerging. One, you could probably guess, is Dion and the trade. And the other is just general banter about the podcast. So, Which actually probably describes everyone's main themes. But I thought that was interesting. And that concludes part two of Caleb's Corner. I love Caleb's Corner.
0: Caleb's Corner will be back. Yeah, we picked up Zach as our editor, who's been doing a phenomenal job. Has played a huge part in the podcast. Um, pretty much the frequency of which we're able to produce these episodes, and Caleb all made possible by Zach. Caleb has he was chatting me amazing data insights almost all day today.
1: Didn't work as much as I should have today, but here's the good news. I, so in doing this process, I now have easy access to the group me and to be able to catalog those messages. I don't know if that's good news for you guys or not. Yeah. I don't know. As as we saw with those
0: single character messages, it's kind of that principle of once you're being observed, it changes your behavior. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to
1: see if that has an effect, good or bad, time will tell. That's true. I really, I hope it doesn't. I hope, I think, yeah. Keep doing your thing, guys, and I'll keep telling you what you're doing, but later so you've forgotten. Uh, and the other good thing is that I was able to connect into the Yahoo data, so I'm quickly able to download basically our entire league history. So obviously 2015 to 2017, I don't have to do again, but now just refreshing for the weeks is pretty fast. So all these things can be basically updated in real time.
0: That's awesome, and if you go all the way back to episode one of the Dad Bod Pod, we had commissioner travis piquel on here he asked you know maybe we get someone this year who does a little more advanced data analysis who would that guy be and he's like maybe jamie we threw out bins no longer in the league no longer in the league caleb pretty fleming here he is pretty clearly caleb fleming data scientist great So, what does, it,
2: what does it take to convince a data scientist to make a trade when you, get a, when
0: you get a trade offer, what crosses your
1: mind? Your entire team is on the block. My entire team is on the block. Which Alex, is, su- it's such a tease. Jamie, it's such a you tease. probably remember better. Or Matt, you know better than anyone. What were the two trades that I shared in the group meet that you had proposed?
2: I I was offering you Nick Chubb and Quincy and Nunwa mm-hmm. for Josh Gordon and Alex Collins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then what was the other one? It was just Quincy Nunwa. Was it really? I yeah, thought. the second one you added, Nick Chubb. Now on the waiver wire, <laughs>
1: news alert. So I sent you guys the screenshot of the the message where I where the trade was revealed. Uh, but Matt also questioned my responsiveness via via text message. He did call that when out. When he was offering me these trades at like noon on a work day. Um, <laughs> which is just a hard time for me to... Respond to these asinine trade requests. <laughs> oh, I, hey, I included Frank Gore just for the record. Yeah. Also on the. If way only I Ryan. could use his career stats, <laughs> week to week. So here's what it takes: you have to. I I don't think it's possible to be honest with you, because it's not
2: possible with me or not possible not possible
1: you in, in general. general. I make like ten moves a year, and they're all defense or kicker. Uh, You'll see the paltry bids I put in on the waiver wire this week. I'm probably not going to get anything. I'm deathly afraid of dropping someone that later goes on to success. I would rather keep them to myself and have them underperform.
2: It sounds like you and Steven Luck are pals because he said almost exactly the same thing. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. And I, I don't. I will say that I would like to to be better. I don't want it to be like that. But right now, I am just not going to make very many moves. Just what I do.
2: So why would you be a tease then? So why would I
1: put my whole team on the trading block? Right. That's interesting. In part because I would like to entertain realistic offers for some of the players that I'm not thrilled about. Well, let's make a trade. What what do you want for Alex Collins? Who, Who do you have that's not on your bench? Let's let's just...
0: He's making you... These are the ground rules. (laughs) He's making you start with someone in your starting lineup. Can you do that? There's
2: no one in my starting lineup that is not significantly better than Alex Collins. Okay, well,
0: there goes this segment. Sounds like we don't
1: have a trade then, huh?
0: I guess not. But you don't like to make moves. You said you average about 10 moves a year. Yeah. By standing still, you had a player on your roster... See a significant change In the way that he's valued in this league Josh Gordon mm-hmm. The Browns announced that they're going to cut him Turns out to be this huge trade market for him He ends up going To the New England Patriots And pairing himself with Tom Pretty Brady Pretty
1: quarterback To tie yourself to Uh,
0: A couple years ago with Randy Moss Randy Moss had 1500 receiving yards And 23 touchdowns So the sky is the and limit I'm now for Gordon. a couple of years
1: ago is eleven. It's it, it it's a long time, he but he's in his forties. He did not slow down
0: at all last year. But the sky is the limit for Gordon with his talent and the Patriots' current receiving core and the uh... affinity for throwing the ball. It's it's a high ceiling. It's a high. Josh Gordon has put up absurd numbers, and who are his quarterbacks? Hey,
1: Tom, Brandon no, Weeden. Talk about Tom Brady. Played with and
0: Weeden. Jamie, Tom Brady came out and said, "Don't put those high expectations on Josh Gordon. Don't put them on him, but he could he could reach him."
1: Brady is a diplomat. With that,
2: what do you think is going to happen here?
1: What do I think is going to happen? I think that Josh Gordon will have seven touchdowns and. 700 yards That's my guess It's based on nothing I just pulled that out So are you going to start him? I think that's a good question I just pulled up my roster So that I could see Am I going to bench Julio Golden Tate Or Put him in the flex spot Where I currently have My least favorite player Alex Collins And Mm -hmm. I don't think that I mean it's not an automatic For any of them
2: Well I think that you should Put him in that Alex Collins spot So that Alex Collins Goes to your
1: bench So that you can trade One of your bench players For one of my bench players Yeah Yeah well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but I I do think that the I could see myself starting him in that flex spot. It's obvious. It's super early to tell. Yeah, I mean,
0: you don't you know. don't start him week three. Right. But out of all the places for him to land, he lands with the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. I mean, he has his
1: upside is much higher than it was.
0: It's much higher. Week one, and the floor when we thought he was going to play. Yeah,
1: the floor remains where it's always been. He
0: could score you zero points for the rest of the year, but. Out of all the places for him to land,
1: he goes to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. That that has to be exciting. Here's the, the real elephant in the room that I know everyone's thinking. I also have Alshon Jeffrey on my bench. He's going to be back. He's questionable this week. I think he's still at least two weeks away, but if he comes back
0: completely healthy, Mike Wallace out for the season with an injury this year. Nelson Aguilar is the other receiving option there. Carson Wentz is the it's, real I deal. mean, I think it,
1: it becomes having those two guys with that kind of upside on my bench could push me to make a trade. Though, as you mean, I said, to
2: get another running back
1: to spread out the positions. Uh, I, I, my, my biggest weakness right now is in the tight end position. I mean, I think that that weakness is probably going to stay.
2: I mean, who could you possibly trade for?
0: Yeah, I mean, outside of. Gronkowski, Kelsey, Zacherts. There's just not a lot of yeah. consistency
1: at I the tight end, position. and I have to believe that someone is or someone in our league is weak enough at wide receiver that and strong enough at tight end that they would be willing to consider a trade. We'll see. It's still, the other thing that could have Matt pressed me on, and to which I responded, "I want to see how the first couple weeks shake out." Um, I, I think, I feel like it's too early in the year for me to really be able to evaluate my my roster. And maybe in part, I feel that way because I've been fortunate enough to win my first two games. And so I have the luxury of being a little bit more patient with it, but I have a hard time sending any of these guys off, even if I, I don't think they're great. So I would say my entire team being on the block, um, I did know what I was doing when I was doing that. And I'm curious. I'm entertaining offers. It's unlikely that I will accept them, but I, I do think it's worth your time if you're going to put something out there that isn't Nick Chubb for Julio Jones.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm Owen 2 and I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. It's an incredibly small sample set. You drafted these players for a reason. We're all looking at articles and things like that, so we have a little bit more information about, okay, how are these guys being used? Are they being effective with their targets, with their touches, things like that? But some players are hitting, and those are causing victories. Other people aren't executing; it's not working out. But I'm kind of in that wait and see approach as well. Um, but one of one of our favorite parts of the podcast is, and something we want to do more in these these in-season episodes is get a little bit more personal with some of the questions. So we do have a couple coming in from the group me. Um, Trey Trey Coe would like to know who's your favorite football team. The Washington football team. The Washington football franchise is the one that you root for. Good to know. And then uh, Seth would like to know who runs out of their fab budget first.
1: So I think the easy answer is Matt. And I think that's also the correct answer.
0: Okay, yeah. Don't have to overthink it. Well, it's been
1: awesome having you on the podcast. This has uh, been great, guys. Thank you so much for having me.
0: There was a quote from
2: a fellow named Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. He said in a post-game interview, after he'd thrown another four touchdowns, the second week in a row that he's thrown four touchdowns, for a total of nine touchdowns, <laughs> if, you include, if you include his one rushing touchdown, that is that is nine touchdowns. You're in the lead here. <laughs> um, he said, you know, if if uh, the, the reporter asked him if he was surprised at how well he'd performed. And he said, I'm never surprised at anything I do. I'm not surprised at anything you do, Caleb.
1: Whoa. I... Sure can. Uh yeah. Do we know what Fitzpatrick wore to his presser after Week One? Deshaun Jackson's clothes. Yeah, there are pictures I mean, of Deshaun. Week One that this happened? Uh, that was Week Two. No, 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 wait, week week two. Two. Deshaun. Yeah. Two. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. This That's is a few days ridiculous. ago. But okay, so what, was it equally ridiculous? Those those photos were from Week Two. Right, I'm saying what was Week One. Oh, I don't know what. You oh no, no, I don't no, think. Yeah, I don't week, think there was anything. Well, it was normal. Week one was normal. Can Zach? Can you get me a picture of those side by side, week one, week two? Thanks. Leave that in too, so people know that you did it. Shout out to Zach,
0: best editor in the game.
2: Final quick closing question: uh, What effect has the birth of your first son had on your dad bod?
1: Whoa. Um, I mean we can we can call it that now. I here's what I'll say. I did a half Ironman a year ago almost to the day. We and to mention that, if I went to run outside right now after 2 miles I would be just miserable. So, it's taken a toll. I mean life's just so unpredictable. I have no control over mornings. And that used to be the time for Avoiding the dad bod So I would say I'm embracing it Maybe that's why I've embraced the league more this year I feel like I can relate You know
2: yeah. And Jamie J- and I are just trying to relate Your hosts here are the only two single men in the whole group Who's Paul?
1: Who's Paul?
0: Who is this guy? Can we end week? on that? Who's Paul? Who's Paul?
2: Ned
1: don't, let Paul- don't send this to Paul please
2: He goes to Trinity You might see him next week I won't know
0: He's tall He's blonde That's great Go fall on a well. follow on a well.